Hello, thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. Philippians is working on this right here. 
working on the mind. It's mentioned more times in this epistle than any other epistle that Paul writes. And so it begins, which I don't really think chapter 4 should start with verse number 1. I think it should start from number 2, but I wouldn't read it there. Uh, verse number 1 of Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read this text in its entirety. I'm going to read from the NRSV version. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. Philippians chapter 4. And the Bible reads, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Euodia and Syntyche, I got that right, to be of the same mind. Can we say same mind? Same mind. In the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Can we say rejoice? Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think. Can we say think? Think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I want to focus first on verses 2 and 3. All he calls them to focus. Paul calls it the focus. And verse number two again says, I urge you, Odea, and Syntyche, or Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Paul here, he says, there is something that has happened within your community to where someone that I work with is no longer getting along with each other. Right? No longer getting along with each other. We're all about the goal of spreading the gospel, but they can't get along because they can't get along. We can't do what we're supposed to be doing. And what's so crazy about the two names that are mentioned here, this first name means, Euodia means pleasant fragrance. And the other name means pleasant acquaintance. And yet neither one of them are very pleasant to each other. They have this name that has been placed on them where usually people try to live up to their name in biblical terms, right? There are certain names that describe the very character of people in the Bible, and yet these two pleasant people can't get along with each other. And so they don't live up to their name standard. And sometimes that's our problem because we wear the name of Christ, the anointed one, the one who was chosen for the purpose of God to come down here and save all mankind. And we wear that name of Christ. And sometimes we aren't Christ-like. And that's just the truth of it. If we're being honest, sometimes we're not like Christ. We don't, we don't, we don't show the characteristics of Jesus Christ. But we have a name that shows we ought to be. Just like these two here. And so Paul again, he says, I need for you to be of the same mind. I don't need you to be headed in this direction and the other person headed in this direction because our goal is over there. 
And we need to get there together because that's the most effective way to do it. When we fight against each other, yes. we take away from the big goal, mm. God's goal, God's will. Yep. And so he's dealing with these two, and he's talking to these people at this church in Philippi in verse number three. He says, yes, and I ask you also, my local companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of the co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, he says here, my local companion, I don't know what your version says, but in the original language, that word there points to the word yokesman. And whenever you look at a yoke, it usually involves more than one person. Right? He says, the person who's doing the same thing that I'm doing, I need you to help me in this endeavor. Right? I'm not going to do it by myself because right now I can't. And sometimes there's situations where you see something bad happening and we see things bad happening. And sometimes we like to hide our head in the sand. Right? It's not something that we like to admit to. That's not our quote that we put on Facebook. I like to see problems and do nothing about it. But <laughs> it's something that we do. It's something that we do at times. So sitting by in silence and watching others falter, especially brothers and sisters, it's not okay. Being silent because it's not your business, it's not okay. Witnessing and silently seeing sin, it's not okay. These two were supposed to be about kingdom business. And yet they were at odds with each other. Many things in life can break our focus. Yes. Many things in life can break our focus. And they seem so important when we're in that thing. When we're right in the middle of it, it seems so important. I have to, I have to figure out how to solve this thing. Yeah. And what happens is, you start to work on that thing and work on that thing, and the time is taken away from God's work. So we face these physical focus breakers, right? Our health can be a focus breaker. We have mental focus breakers. We have relationship focus breakers. <coughs> and sometimes we can be going and going for God. Yeah. We can be on a good road. Y'all remember when you first were baptized? And how much zeal you had? You come out the water, I'm gonna save everybody, right? And you got your Bible everywhere with you, and you got the zeal going, and then all of a sudden something happens to break that focus. And it's all of a sudden, I don't need to tell the whole world about God anymore. I need to just work on me. And that's like the mind of Christ that we see in Philippians 2. It's kind of like, how many of you have ever played Street Fighter before? Or Marvel vs. Capcom? Y'all remember those games? When you get to go in and you're fighting and you put together an awesome combo, <laughs> And then the person that's really, really good breaks that combo. <laughs> that's what the devil does. You got a good combo going, he just breaks it up. Paul here says, I know this is the situation right now. I know this is what's happening, and I know our goal. So what I'm going to do as Paul, I'm going to give you a powerful prescription for those type of things that happen in your life. Let's look at verse number four real quick. Verse number four, the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And this word rejoice right here, it means to enjoy a state of happiness and well-being. 
Now, when somebody has joy, it is not affected by outside circumstances, right? Right. I can be in the midst of HE double hockey stick, and I can still have joy. But he says, rejoice, have joy in the Lord. He says it twice. Again, I say rejoice. You know, when you repeat yourself to your children, that means you really mean it, right? Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. He's telling you, even though this thing is happening like it's happening, no matter what happens, we need to rejoice. We need to have joy. We need to have some type of inner peace. And Paul says, I have a prescription for that. I'll tell you how to fix it. Let's go to the next verse right here. Verse number five, the Bible says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. And when he says gentleness here, this word, I mean, we look at things in English and they don't, yeah. it doesn't really give it justice for what he's talking about. You see, when he says this word gentleness here, Paul is explaining this word. He says, this gentleness that he's talking about is a forbearing. A yielding, a gentle, kind, and courteous, and tolerant spirit that you have. He says, be yielding, be forbearing to all people. That means that I can't always get my way. I can't always demand that things go the way that I want them to go. And you're like, I can't. <laughs> but I waited so long for it to happen. When I was growing up, I remember hearing, well, as long as you're under my roof, right? And then whenever you get out from under your parents' roof, you still can't do it. <laughs> and then you think, well, maybe whenever I'm old enough to get free coffee at McDonald's, then I do it. And I can say do whatever I want. And even then, it doesn't work out well, right? But he says, let your gentleness be known to everyone, right? Be known to everyone. You need to have, we need to have a spirit that is forbearing, that is yielding, saying, okay, you can have it today. Not my way, your way. I'm not first, mm -hmm. you're first. Yeah. That's what Paul says. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. He says, the Lord is near. And he's not saying he's right behind your back. He'll be back soon. Paul is saying that there is no time to assist on your way. We have to be about the way. Yeah. Amen? Amen. And then verse number six, that's when he starts to get into this prescription. It's a powerful prescription. Paul says in verse number six, do not worry about anything. And you're thinking, okay, Paul, you're crazy. <laughs> do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This word here for worry, or some of our versions say anxious, it literally means the pulling of yourself apart. It involves two things, thinking and feeling, right? You remember as children laying in your bed late at night, and you might have had something hanging up? You know that you hung up a jacket in the corner. But then you start feeling like, maybe that's a monster. Right? You get anxious, and you're worried. Oh my gosh, did it just move? <laughs> you know what you're, you're thinking, mind. That's not a monster, that's not a real thing. But then your feelings start getting away of your thoughts, and then all of a sudden you got this pulling apart of who you are, and that's all that worrying is. 
It's the fear of something that isn't real. Yeah. Something that hasn't happened yeah. yet. Yeah. Something that could happen. Something, but it's not real. It's not real at all. And he says, do not worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. But you know what? In our lives, in this culture today, we need to change the name of these things from news to worry TV. Because that's how it is. It's just worry TV. And it doesn't matter what channel you watch, whether it's Fox, CNN, NBC, whatever you watch, it's worry news TV. They say, we're going to worry these folks on this side, and then we're going to worry these folks on this side. And if everybody is worried, then there's no focus at all. all right? And that's not what God calls us to be. He didn't call us to be worried folks, anxious folks, killing ourselves, having headaches, can't eat, you're losing weight from worrying. Sometimes it's nice, right? But have all these negative effects. Worrying, being anxious about things. And, 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 and God speaks this through Paul and says, Do not worry about anything. But he says, Here's the prescription. He says, But in everything by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. You're like, Paul, oh, this is the same thing. Saying these things three times. No. Paul is talking about something very specific here. This description that he calls for, first thing, prayer. It's all about the approach and how we approach God. Humbly, bowing to God in adoration, God, I got this thing going on in my head right now, and I know that you can fix it, and I'm coming to you first. God, I, I passed over going to Facebook and putting on a poll about how I feel about something. I didn't go to Steve Harvey's show and listen to how I should feel about this thing. I didn't look at the news to see how I should feel about this thing. God, I came to you first. Paul says we gotta come by prayer first. All right? By prayer first. And just think for a moment. The last time that you were really worried, really anxious, what was the first thing that you did? I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of going to Google. Worry about something. Let me Google this thing and see what I need to go to God first. But that's our culture today. We go to every place but God. He says, but everything by prayer. Second word there, supplication. Can we say supplication? Supplication. When we go to God in supplication, we're saying, God, these are my needs. I need you to meet them. God, this is what I really need at this point in time. I really need for you to do this. This is whenever you have to have those 911 prayers. Mm. When you're on your job, somebody's in your face, your boss is getting on your nerves, and you got to say, Lord, help me. Help me get through what I'm going through. Help me to be the type of Christian that I need to be because I need you right now. <laughs> the first one is just going to God first, simply addressing him and coming to him and, and, and uh, adoring him, right? And, and coming to him humbly. Second one is supplication. Lord, I need this right now. And then the third one is thanksgiving. God, I just told you what I needed. 
I'm thankful for what you've done for me. Even if this thing doesn't happen for me, I'm thankful for what you've already done. And I know since I came to you already, you're going to fix it. And I know that even though I'm standing in my problem today and you're here with me, God, I know that you're also standing in my solution tomorrow because you are held by time. So I know that God stands in both my problem and both my solution. And so I'm not worried. Not anxious about those things. Thank you. And that's a good thing. Right? Then y'all know God doesn't have to be, uh, doesn't exist in our time? Did you know he's outside of our time? Did you know that God doesn't really have an age? He just is? We see an excellent example of this with Daniel. Daniel, y'all remember Daniel? Daniel chapter 6, verse number 10, we see. It was just been made a decree that they can no longer pray to anybody but the king. And Daniel, he's got to be shook because he just saw his three homeboys thrown into a fire. They said, now they mess with God again? And so Daniel, he doesn't just say, I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing. The first thing that Daniel does when they make the decree is he goes up to his room and he prays. Yes. And you can see each step of this right here in this prayer. God, I'm coming to you because I have a problem. I don't know what they're going to do. I need you to respond right now. And you're worthy to be praised. He ends that. And verse number 10, you look at, he talks about God is worthy to be praised. Even though he's facing a terrible situation, he's worthy to be praised. And what happens is within that narrative, the king is the one who, whenever he sends Daniel to the den, he's the one that can't sleep. Daniel's down there chilling with the lion, the thing that can actually hurt him. The king goes in the morning and calls out the name. Daniel's like, what's up? <laughs> Not worried. Even though that thing could kill him, even though that thing could take his life, right? Not worried at all. Yeah. And when you do this thing that Paul prescribes here, you can face lions. And God will keep their mouth shut. Mm. All right. And you won't fear. I remember when a young boy, and this is what we say in the first, one of the first houses I remember. And we had a weird bathroom set up in our house. We had two bathrooms, but only one of them had a bathtub and only one of them had a toilet. <laughs> and so, of course, the one with the toilet was in the very back of the house. It was one of those big toilets with the feet on it. You know what I'm talking about? Those, not toilet, but the bathtub. <laughs> And when you look outside the door, there's this huge, giant, scary-looking water heater. And I used to hate to look at the water heater because there was fire at the bottom of the water heater. And I would get scared. I was, I was very, I used to be very scared, right? And my dad and my sister would scare me for no reason at all. <laughs> Jumping out the places, and then when it, I had to go take out the trash too. And our, and our dumpster was in the alley behind the house. And so whenever I took the trash out, all I could think about was Freddy Krueger coming with his arms stretched out down the alley, right? And so I talked to my dad about that. I said, man, daddy, I'm scared all the time, right? 
What can I do? You know what he told me? He said, sing gospel songs. Start singing gospel. When you get scared, start singing songs about God. And what I started to realize was, remember, I was little. If Freddy Krueger is real, that means God is even more powerful than Freddy Krueger. And even though that fire looks scary on that wire heater, I know that God is more powerful than fire. And so I started singing those songs and I would get scared. And I slowly realized that I served a God who yes, was more powerful yes, than my fears. Yes, and it actually helped. And this is what Paul is prescribing here. It's to just have faith in God. And to just talk with God when we face those situations Amen. like that. Amen. We see in this next verse here, verse number seven, he says, if you do this, if you go to God in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, he says the peace of God and this peace of God that he's talking about, this means to be free from agitation of mind and spirit. Don't you want to be free from having your mind agitated? All right. Don't you want to have peace in your heart? That's something that I believe. Amen. That's something that I believe everybody wants. He says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. I mean, this peace that we receive from God is, is beyond our understanding. Yeah. Beyond it. We can't, this, it's not something that we can cook up. It's just something that God does for us. This peace of God which surpasses all understanding, it says it will guard your hearts. Amen. Yes, sir. This word that he uses is talking about a garrison. Right? Yeah. Like when you have a military guarding the base, uh, soldiers guarding the base, it says that if you do these things, the peace of God will guard your heart. So that means that God doesn't wait for those things to come back into your heart to do something about it. God is going to guard your heart, put this wall up around your heart to where those things cannot affect you like they used to affect you. If you take this prescription that Paul is talking about. All right. And that's a blessing. God doesn't just wait for us to be in trouble all the time to save us. This peace of God will guard our hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And whenever it talks about hearts and minds, there it's talking about our emotions and our thoughts, those things that sometimes pull us apart. This prescription that Paul involves prayer, Supplication of thanksgiving. This thing that he's prescribing will totally change your life. Totally change your life. Let's go to the next verse here. This next section, he's he's not through. He says, once you figure out how to guard your hearts, then you have to figure out what to focus on. Philippians verse number four, or chapter four, verse number eight. The Bible reads, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What he's saying right here is this. Whenever he talks about something being true, that means that it's actually according to fact. Don't think that that thing in the corner is a monster. That's not a fact. Don't focus on what you're feeling. Focus on what is actually true. That's what he's saying. When you start to create these scenarios that have not yet happened, yeah. that's not what you focus on. Y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying? 
That's not what we should focus on. We shouldn't focus on the imaginary, never happening, out of control things, and that's what we do sometimes. Sometimes something might be real, but it just might be out of our control. And what's the point of focusing on that? That's it. All you're going to do is worry yourself. All you're going to do is make your hair fall in on now. Right? Some of us stress eat. And the devil is a liar. And that's all he wants to do is present this life to you, to get you to stop focusing on God. He says, focus on what is honorable. And what is honorable, what he says there, what that means is pertaining to appropriate, befitting behavior, implying dignity worthy of respect. Are we focusing on things that are worthy of respect? Things that are appropriate? What are we putting into our heart on a daily basis? Think about that. What do we put into our heart? The music we listen to, the podcasts we listen to, the shows we watch, the movies we take in, the books we read. Some of our books are very great. If you caught that, it's because you read it. Y'all can talk about that when we eat ice cream. He also says, focus on what is just. Focus on what is just. And what just means is being proper or right in the sense of being fully justified by God's standards. We don't justify what we focus on by our standards. When my mama said it was okay, my daddy says okay, my grandma and grandpa says okay, it must be okay with me. That's not what we need to focus on. We need to focus on things that are good by God's standards. Did y'all know God has a standard? He talks about it in the book. It's called the Bible. So does this mean that as Christians we just hide our heads in the sand? No. But we don't focus our attention on dishonorable things and allow them to control our thoughts. He goes on to say to focus on things that are pure. And that means without moral defect or blemish. Focus on things that are pleasing. And that word pleasing means that which causes people to be pleased with something. He's speaking about what promotes peace rather than conflict. And this is a big thing with us folks, us Americans. With us from America. Because we like focusing on things that are not good. We wonder why our hearts are troubled. And we do nothing but search for police brutality vehicles or videos. Yeah. I wonder why I'm afraid of the police all the time. We wonder why our hearts are troubled. And we do nothing but take in hate speech yeah. from other groups. Yeah. Well, I joined this group two years ago on Facebook, and now I just watch all the videos. We wonder why our hearts are troubled. And it's a shame. It's a shame. Because there is... Can can I be real with you? The problem has never... And yes, you can point to it as being this, a race problem. It's not not really a race problem. It's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. Because our hearts are distracted. We're more focused on being black enough, being American enough, being white enough, being a real man, being an independent woman, 
I don't need a man. I'm not talking about it's good to be independent, but I'm talking about the ones that don't need men. At all. <laughs> it's only good for men not to be alone. <laughs> we take in these odd thoughts from the world, and then our hearts are all jacked up. So he says, focus on things that are commendable, worthy of praise. And the root word for commendable is to say. So he's saying, focus on things that are said that are worthy of praise. Man, I just listened to George Carlin last night. Probably not commendable speech. <laughs> Same thing Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Funny, but it's not something that you would talk about without looking around first. <laughs> Paul then sums up these things into two categories. He says that if it is excellence, or if it's worthy of praise, that means that if it's morally right, or if it's something which people should praise, if it's something that we should praise, then he says, to think on these what? Think on these things. And that word think means to ponder, to reason, to focus on these things, and try to figure out what it is that is so good about these things. We let a lot of things into our heart without pondering on them. Focusing on it long enough, you just take them in and let's see what happens. Alright? And then he says, verse number nine, he says, Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. And Paul, he, he, he here asked him to do four things. He says, Do what you've learned, do what you have received. Do what you have heard and do what you've seen in me. And that's something that is, is, is a goal that we should all live by. Can people do what they've seen you do and still be okay with God? Can people say what you say and still be okay with God? Can people receive what you speak? And can people look at your actions and do them? You see, Paul says, I told you my story. I used to be a mess. I used to kill Christians. And God had to humble Paul, humiliate him, because he was wrong when he thought he was right about a lot of that. And he had to change his heart in order for him to be able to change the hearts of others. Now, some of us in here, we might be on that same path that Paul was on. We might honestly believe with all of our hearts that we are right in the way we treat our hearts, and the things that we take in, and the things that we choose to focus on, and the tearing apart of our minds, and our thoughts, and our feelings being separated. But I want you to understand, this is important. If we don't change, right? If we don't change, God's going to put something in your life to make you see. Man, just like as Paul is on the way on the Damascus road. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Jesus had to literally come and talk about Paul. You're doing it all wrong. You, you think that you're right, but you're doing it all wrong. And sometimes we can take those Damascus moments and we can just ignore them and chalk it up to this is just a bad day. But the only way that we're going to be able to recognize what is right 
and what is wrong and how to have laudable living. Living that is worthy of praise is if we study the word of God. We can only understand godly things if we have a relationship with God. And that again requires focus. By prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, right living, right focus, right thoughts, right feelings. That's the only way we can overcome worry and anxiety. Okay? Again, I'm going to point you to Proverbs 8, and then I'll be done. I know you're ready for the ice cream. <laughs> I want to look at this again because if we think about this, God has all of the wisdom in the world. God doesn't have to uh, learn things experientially, He just knows them. And here in Proverbs 8, He inspires the writer to say, Does not wisdom call? And does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries out to you. O oh, people I call, and my cry is to all that live. O oh, simple ones, learn prudence, acquire intelligence, you lack it. Herefore I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth, wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words in my mouth are righteous, there is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to one who understands and writes to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, live with prudence, and I attain knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have good advice and sound wisdom. I have insight, I have strength, but by me kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me rulers rule, and nobles all who govern rightly. Wisdom, the wisdom of God, she is calling out to us, and needs to listen and obey. Let's do it.